Good evening, and welcome to The Big Picture. I'm your host, Magellan. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Our website, www.magellanshow.com. You can connect with us live at 646-929-0709. If busy, dial 712-775-7035, access code 327-756-POUND. We invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good evening, and welcome to The Big Picture. This is our opening broadcast. I'm Magellan, your host. Thanks for being a part. It is Sunday, August the 16th, 2015. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. And wherever you are, we're glad that you're here. Of course, you can catch our regular programs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's the Magellan Show, where we talk about what's going on in the news, politics, economics, currencies, and much more. You don't want to miss it. Uh, it's definitely a program that, uh, that you want to tune in for. Our website, www.magellanshow.com, M-A-G-E-L-L-A-N. You can also follow us on Twitter at Real Magellan, and our email address. If you want to connect with us, perhaps you would like to ask a question, maybe make a comment, whatever, our email address is contact at MagellanShow.com. Our live number is 646-929-0709. Again, that's 646-929-0709. We have a playback number, and it is 712-775-7039. The access code is 327-756-POUND. We want to especially thank IQDCalls.com for not only posting this program uh, and the archive, which we'll have, but also for announcing it as well. We do appreciate that, and we want to thank them. You can follow us on iTunes if you'd like. Find us over there. And if you want to donate to what we're doing so that you can hear more shows like this, then just jump on our website, MagellanShow.com, click on the Donate button, and a gift, large or small, is always appreciated. Well, let's get into the program tonight, and without any further ado, we want to get into the subject matter. And I know a lot of you have been wondering what I'm going to talk about and, well, this is it. And on future broadcast, we'll discuss maybe other things that are equally as intriguing. But tonight, we're going to discuss 
primarily a machine. And you're like, what? A machine? <laughs> We're going to talk about something that has been built in Switzerland that, in my view, and as I see it, is definitely playing a key role in prophetic events. What I'm referring to is CERN. Some of you may be really scratching your heads now and saying, well, what is CERN? Some of you probably have heard about CERN. And we're going to just really get into it and talk about some things that uh, may be out of your comfort zone. It may not be. But we're going to get into it, and we're going, to ex we're going to go beyond CERN, of course. But we're going to at least start at that point. Well, the question is, well, what is CERN? And what's Switzerland got to do with, with any of this? And uh, we're going to get to all of that tonight. So don't worry. We're going to make sense of these issues. And it's going to help us answer some questions that I believe a lot of people have right now in 2015. There is a lot of curiosity going on. Uh, there's a lot of questions. Folks are asking all the time, where did we come from? Who created the universe? Is there life after death? Uh, is this the end as we know it? Are we living in the final days of Earth's history. Questions, questions. And some are looking here, some are looking there, trying to find the answers. Now, ultimately, I believe, as many of you know, that the answers can be found in the Bible, the Word of God. But I want to say just quickly, though, that we're going to look at, that, at this in a way to where I believe we will authenticate the scriptures and we're and, and I believe that's very important. We're going to search the scriptures tonight. And it's going to be I think very exciting. Because I know that a lot of you have questions. Some of you have been raised in Christian in Christian families, some of you maybe at one time went to church, but now it just seems like it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense because there are so many ideologies, there's so many different ways of thinking that people are really just going to and fro trying to figure out where they belong, trying to figure out who they are and, and whose they are. And you have individuals that are studying the stars and studying uh, what's going on in space, looking into astrobiology and studying UFOs, extraterrestrial uh, activity. There are many programs on this. And I think that there is a tendency among those who would be in, let's say, opposition of the Bible, 
to believe that the Bible doesn't have much to say about it. And the truth is, there are a lot of Christians that, uh, that maybe haven't read certain scriptures or haven't studied certain scriptures that would give a more complete understanding and analysis and explanation, if you will, of the mysteries of the universe. But I serve a God who I believe not only has the answers in his word, but that he is the answer. But before we go any further on that, I want to talk about CERN. So to give you a little bit more perspective, let's go ahead and discuss exactly what CERN is. It's located in Switzerland, and it is a large hadron collider. And it is the largest machine ever built by mankind. It's 17 miles long, this, this, this structure, 17 miles long. And if you are looking, or if you're looking at our website right now, and you're, look, you're looking at our Twitter feed, or if you're on Block Talk Radio and, and you're listening to the broadcast, you'll see the picture that we have. And it kind of gives you a little, little understanding as to what this looks like. But it's, uh, like I said, just scratching the surface here. And this has been something that they've been working on for a number of years. And truly, they are stepping up the momentum and running up the most powerful, they're conducting the most powerful experiment ever, ever done on the planet. They are literally accelerating hundreds of millions of protons within these, within these cylinders or within these uh, mechanical structures. And they're doing so just beneath the speed of light. Sounds very science fiction. But they say, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. And you can do the research yourself. And uh, I'll have to say, this is, this, is, this is true. We've actually have met someone, a physicist, who actually worked on the CERN project. Of course, there are... There are countless individuals, uh, scientists and physicists that are particle physicists that are working in CERN right now. Even what some would call enemies are working together. You've got Jews and Muslims and people of all faiths that are working on this project. The most brilliant minds, if you will. So they're accelerating these protons to just beneath the speed of light. And then after they do that, they compress them down so microscopically, so tiny, that they're compressed down to the width of the human hair. And at that point, their plan 
is to collide as many as 600 million particles per second. Again, this has never happened in the history of this planet. Some physicists are concerned. They have raised uh, legitimate concerns and fears, and, and many of these physicists aren't even religious, but they have still expressed a certain degree of caution, and rightfully and understandably so. This is a big deal. The question is, why would some of the most brilliant minds across the globe unite in Switzerland to take on a project such as this? And how does a project like this, CERN, relate with what we're doing in everyday life and and how does it how does it correlate how does it connect and by what they're doing over there can we begin to create a dialogue a conversation and look at some spiritual issues as well because certainly this CERN project though it is scientific crosses over into the into the spiritual realm. And we will get more into that here shortly. You see, there are some, some general fears by some within the scientific community that they are opening up what many refer to as black holes. But those that are participating in this project, well, that's exactly what they want to happen. They want this to happen because they are seeking the God particle. The God particle, or as some refer to as the Higgs boson. Now we're talking about particle physics here, but basically trying to figure out what holds the universe together, trying to figure out what holds the universe together. And of course, majority of scientists believe in the Big Bang Theory and do not believe in a creator, and so they're trying to understand how it really all began, because sometimes as they study, science isn't really backing up their theories, their evolutionary theories, and so on and so forth. So they're seeking this out, hoping that this Hadron Collider known as CERN can help them tap into other dimensions. Now what's interesting here is that scientists, physicists, those who typically uh, would call themselves atheists or agnostics, certainly uh, unreligious, actually believe in other dimensions, in other worlds, in parallel universes. 
And this type of belief structure has trickled down into everyday society. And that's why you have those in our world that believe in the paranormal and uh, extraterrestrial activity. A good chunk of Americans believe in in, uh, extraterrestrials and UFOs. As a matter of fact, in England, more people believe in that than they do than they do God. There certainly has been in recent years what the Bible refers to as a falling away where you have many who have walked away from the Christian faith. The Bible says that the man of sin or the Antichrist, the son of perdition, that evil one, would not arise unless there would be a falling away or a rebellion first. So all of this is coming together. And this in and of itself is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Carrying on now, talking about what is happening with CERN. So they they are attempting to tap into a different dimension, a parallel reality. Now, why again do they want to do this? Because they want to connect with the supernatural. They want to they want to be like God. That's the crux of this. Now, if you go back into the book of Genesis and remember the account of, uh, of Adam and Eve with the serpent or Lucifer, Lucifer's cunning lie, his presentation basically was this. You partake of this tree and, and, and the fruit of this tree, I should say, And you will be like gods. Even though God told you not to, go ahead and partake of it. You won't die. You will be enlightened. Of course, we know the rest of the story. They did not become as gods. They did not think as gods. They were cursed. And they fell from the garden. Of course, it goes way beyond that. And and prior to that point, we know that Lucifer was the light bearer in heaven. He fell from heaven because of his envy towards God himself because he wanted to be like God. In Isaiah, it talks about how he fell along with his angels, one-third of of the angels, because he wanted to ascend like God. And all throughout the ages of time, we see how there have been entities and humans and all manner of groups that have had a desire and have been on a quest to be like God or at the very least connect to the supernatural realm. Now the Bible speaks of the supernatural realm 
And there is an aspect of the supernatural that is ordained by God. Jesus told his disciples, as well as all Christians who believe, that we would have the power to do not only the same works that he did, which was to to heal and to deliver those who are in captivity and those who are struggling, but we would be able to do greater works. I mean, Jesus unstopped the deaf ears, he opened the blind eyes, he raised the dead, he cast out uh, demons, and he said that we could do the same thing and more. So there is a supernatural realm that God allows us to tap into, and, and he ordains that. But there are supernatural realms which are forbidden. And we see not only the Bible forbidding these, but also history itself gives us a clear understanding of how this kind of activity ended in ruin. And we're going to go into that here in just a moment. But for those of you that are just joining us, this is The Big Picture. I'm your host, Magellan. Thanks for joining us. Our website is www.magellanshow.com. Our live number is 646-929-0709. And if you happen to uh, miss part, have missed part of this broadcast and want to listen to it on the playback, you can dial in at 712-775-7039 at the end of this broadcast and listen to the replay. The access code is 327-756-POUND. And of course, the archives on the internet, always at our website and also iqdcalls.com. So carrying on now with what we were saying, referring to the supernatural The Bible says that as we move into the latter days, that there would be supernatural manifestations and more. It also says that that the hearts of men would fail because of the fear. Men's hearts failing them for fear of what? Of those things which are coming Upon the earth. Now, those of you who maybe have read a little bit in the book of Revelation, or maybe you've read other writings from Nostradamus to uh, to uh, other other prophets that may have written about the end of time, you got a little insight as to what as to what would happen in the end of days. Now, sadly, the whole story has not been told, but we're going to share it with you tonight. And for those of you who have been brought up in traditional Orthodox Christianity, this might be something new. And like I said, it might shake you up a little bit or take you out of your comfort zone. And for those of you that would not necessarily align yourself or affiliate yourself with Christianity, you might actually take 
a closer look because I'm not here to promote a church. I'm not here to promote a religion. That I want to be known. Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. That's what he said. And his, his own disciples wanted him to be king over Jerusalem. And he said, no, you don't get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. My kingdom is not of this world. And so that is the philosophy and the belief that I have. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'll be the first to say that organized religion, although it can do good at times, can also be a failure. Because organized religion puts mankind at the center. And that's the first mistake. That's the first blunder. But getting back to CERN now, we, we've been talking about this. So they're trying to discover the God particle. We've established that. But has this, has this happened before? At least to some degree or another? Well, maybe. But just to... Just to kind of zero in on what the director of CERN has said, I find this to be, who is a scientist himself, I find this to be quite staggering. Mr. Bellucci, who is the director of CERN, says that the Large Hadron Collider could open a door, a doorway to extra dimensions and out of it might come something to us, or we might send something to it through gravitons, basically these, these, uh, these particles or, or these elements, these gravitational elements that, that could be carriers or transport these types of messages. Does the Bible have something to say about that? Yes, it does. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation tonight, as well as several other passages of Scripture, not just in the New Testament, but all throughout the Old Testament. And we're going to, I promise you, tie this all together. So you want to stay tuned. And it may be surprising to some of you that the Bible does have something to say on these matters. It, it truly does. So we press on. We, we move on further. And I, I tell you what, the, the thing that really has blown me away here is that this scientific community that typically associates itself with more of an atheistic mindset has an idol, has a goddess statue right in front of the grounds, right in front of the entrance of this facility. And it was actually given to them, it was presented to them by the Indian government. 
That's true. It was given to them by the Department of Atomic Energy of India, and it's the Hindu god Shiva, the so-called god of creation and destruction. Now, that's pretty telling right there, because that is exactly what they are trying to tap into, trying to find the answers to creation, but in doing so, could they be bringing about their own demise? That's what we are going to be talking about. What they're, in essence, wanting to do is to replace the, the God of the universe, Jehovah, Adonai, Yahweh, the God of all gods. They're trying to replace him with this God of the underworld. And we are seeing a spiritual shift take place. In my opinion, this is not a good thing. Oh, but they'll make it sound like it's the greatest thing ever. Like they have made the discovery of all the ages. Oh, they're tapping into something all right. But they are going to, as I see it, rue the day that they ever opened up this door. Unbelievable. So, let's carry on. Let's carry on a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about if this has actually been attempted before in some way or, or another. But Einstein actually talked a bit about, about this, about breaking down atoms. And, of course, he had no idea that they would take something on like this, knowing that, you know, Einstein lived decades ago. But he said that when you break down these atoms things become stranger and stranger to the human consciousness and, and, and to the observer. And actually, your perception affects the reality which you are seeing. That these particles can vary depending on your perceptions of it. They can look different. They can react differently, etc., Again, I say, how bizarre, how inconsistent with scientific thought, considering that this scientific endeavor is taking on such a spiritual uh, angle to it. <laughs> the irony in all of this is that they are, in effect... They are, in effect, proving the Christian worldview, whether they realize it or not. They're doing so because they are fulfilling Bible prophecy and so much more. 
what we are witnessing is a spirit of Nimrod. Nimrod is found in the book of Genesis, in the 11th chapter of Genesis. This is referring to the Tower of Babel. Now, Babel was located in what is now present-day Iraq, in the Babylonian region. If you look in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, you will find that, that Babylon was the head of gold uh, in that prophetic dream. But we won't, we won't focus on that too much tonight. But the story and the account of the Tower of Babel, many are familiar with this story, even those who don't affiliate themselves with Christianity, because it's such a remarkable story. And I believe that it teaches us so many, so many lessons. So let's look at this passage in Genesis and pay close attention to what it says. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make a, may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, Nimrod, of course, was the king of this of this people. But notice what it says in verse 4 of Genesis 11. Come, let us make ourselves a city, a tower, that reaches to the heavens, that we may make a name for ourselves. We see that pride of wanting to be something great. Now, as a follower of Jesus, as you, as you study his teachings, you know that Jesus said that if you want to be the greatest among many, you must become a servant. This was not only the message that he preached, this was the message that he lived by. But they said, let us make ourselves a, a name, a great name, or we'll be scattered over the earth. In other words, nobody will know who we are. Verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, and this is verse 6 of Genesis 11, if as one people speaking the same language they had begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth, and there we find the story of the Tower of Babel. Verse 6, I believe, is the most interesting part of this passage. 
Because God himself says that if they were to continue doing what they were doing, that nothing would be impossible. In other words, that they would have achieved their goal had the God of the universe not intervened, that they would have achieved their goal. I'm not saying this. This is what the Word of God says. And if so, how is this possible? Obviously, they did not have the technology, the constructing power, the equipment. They did not have cranes. And I mean, you look at the, at the, at the tallest structures in the world today in 2015, and uh, where is it, in, in Dubai? You know, and, and some of these structures are, uh, you know, 1,000, 2,000 feet high and, and much higher, I'm sure, than the Tower of Babel. But God says that had they continued, nothing would have been impossible for them. How does all this work? There's no way. I mean, they, they could have built it for miles and miles into the heavens, theoretically. And even if they could have, they still would not have reached heaven. I mean, you can fly at uh, 36,000 feet in an airplane and not reach, not reach heaven. Even the space shuttle going into outer space has not reached heaven. How on earth could this be? Well, that's where all this gets really, really interesting. And it ties very close to what they're trying to do in CERN. Now, I said earlier that in CERN, they're trying to tap into a different dimension through a black hole or through a gateway, right? Is this science fiction? Are they really able to, to, to do this? And in reference to the Tower of Babel, how could they have tapped into a different dimension? Well, obviously, God forbade it, and that's why he destroyed Babel. But he said that they could have done it. How? Well, to understand this more clearly, we're going to look at another passage in the book of Genesis. Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22. We'll, we'll examine this passage of scripture, and it will give us biblical understanding, and explanation as to how this interdimensional activity works. And when God ordains it, and when he doesn't. And just to pause, we know that in the New Testament, that we have a good, a good and perfect example of of how God used the supernatural and, and, and that it was done in, 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 a, in a way that was ordained by him. Philip had to be in one place, but it would have taken him too long to get back to where he needed to go. So God actually teleports, if you will, 
Philip. He had, if I remember correctly, he had baptized the Ethiopian and he needed to get back to Jerusalem. And so God actually teleported him back there. Find it. You'll find it in the scriptures. But we're not going to talk about Philip. I just wanted to, to just bring that up as a side note. But, but to get answers to this, this question, can we tap into other dimensions? Well, first of all, I want to say that this kind of activity is forbidden by the Holy Scriptures. And when you attempt to circumvent Jesus Christ, it will always end in peril. It will always end in destruction. Jacob's dream. So I'm not going to read all of this. But let's drop down to verse 16 of Genesis chapter 28. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, let's actually back up. Uh, Excuse me. Let's back up a little bit. In verse 12, it says that, that Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. Interesting. A stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring." I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now, let me just say something very quickly here. We know that God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And that's why, even to this day, the Middle East, especially the nation of Israel, is so important to the Jewish people and why there is a biblical importance there because God promised it. But talking about this ladder in this dream, this stairway, many of you have heard the reference Jacob's ladder, but this is a stairway. So he was able to see angels ascending and descending, angels of God, of course. And, and he, above it, he also saw God just right there in the clouds. Almost as if they were entering and exiting through a gateway. Because when you consider how far heaven is away, light years away, if you will, this was, in effect, a means by which God and his angelic entities were passing back and forth through this gateway, and having an encounter, a holy encounter with Jacob, who would soon be named Israel. And this was a ordained, this was a supernaturally ordained occurrence. Because when Jacob wakes up from his dream, he says, surely the Lord is in this place And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Notice that verse. So I'm not just giving you 
you know, sci-fi kind of, uh, of, uh, of language here. 17, he says, this is the gate of heaven. Now, where did he see the angels? He saw a stairway resting on the earth and its top reaching to heaven. So this is what I would submit to you in, in reference to the Tower of Babel. It's obvious now that, that this people had no intention of building a structure that would have reached light years into the heavenly realm. First of all, it would have been impossible and they knew it. And it would have, they, would have, they would have all died before they finished but perhaps they knew something. They, perhaps they knew they tapped into the supernatural realm or were, were about to as they were to get to a certain point, a certain point in the sky to where they would connect with that gateway. Just as Jacob, in a holy way, in his dream, connected to that gate to heaven. They were wanting to get to a certain point to where that they could connect to that gate or gateway to heaven. And to do so in a way that displeased God. And God knew what they were up to. And he destroyed Babel. He destroyed it. Scattered them. Confused their language. They were not able to succeed. The question is, what came over them? What possessed them to think that they could just unilaterally, just with, with, with their own might and power, ascend into heaven and ascend to that level? Well, Satan or Lucifer tried it. He said, I, I will ascend. Like, you know, like the Most High. I will be like the Most High. He fell from heaven, and they fell from the tower. It was destroyed. But how did they know this? How were they made aware that this would happen? Because God did not tell them. Oh, God had an encounter with Jacob, yes, in his dream. God had an encounter with Philip when he was when he was transported or teleported to another part uh, of the region supernaturally but how is it that this people group attempted or even knew to attempt something like this this is what we're going to to try to answer tonight and to give you some understanding now, remember what we said earlier about Nimrod? He was the king or the great ruler over this people. Now, Nimrod was actually the great grandson of Noah. And that's important. And we'll, we'll tell you why in just a little bit. But I believe that, that the fallen, the spirit of, of fallen angels that truly the uh, the demonic realm had certainly 
overtaken Nimrod. He was an evil man. He was in rebellion against God. And he knew that this Tower of Babel, which he presided over, would be a way in which to reach God. Just like Lucifer and his, and his failed attempt. And every other person that has tried to do that. Even now, as they're trying to do with CERN. They're not necessarily going up. They don't have to necessarily go up. But however, they, however means necessary, whatever means necessary, to tap in to that other dimension. Now let's look in the book of Genesis. It's going to get even more interesting as we progress here. I'm going to look in Genesis long about the the sixth chapter Genesis chapter six verse four there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. There were giants in the land. They were, at one point, immortals, because they were fallen angels. But as they mixed with mankind, they then became immortal. They envied man's position. But more than that, they wanted to tap into God's domain. They wanted to tap into God's domain. So we've established in the book of Genesis chapter 6 that giants did exist. And that they came to this earth from the other dimension. The Bible speaks about that. As a matter of fact, we can look at other passages of Scripture and, and get uh, additional perspective. All throughout it, in fact. Like, let's, let's go to the book of Jude. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. Jude 1, and we'll look at, at verse, verse 5. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels, now remember the word angel means messenger. There are some angels that are good and there's some angels that are evil. And you got to know the difference. That's why in the Bible it refers to angels of the Lord or fallen angels. But that word means messenger. And the angels did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. In other words, they weren't content 
being who they were, the entities that they were. He has kept it in eternal bonds under darkness for the judge, the, the judgment of the great day. Dropping down in verse 8, Yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Verse 14 of Jude 1 says, It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all of the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are, and it goes into to more details there. So what Judas saying, and, and we didn't have a chance to read the first part of, of Jude. But certainly, we know through this that these entities did not respect their current state, but they, that they wanted to enter into a different realm. Now, why did they want to do this? Because they wanted to enter into God's divine, into God's realm that he had forbidden. And so these inner dimensions are being violated. These messengers or angels or watchmen wanted to take on human form. And yet we find in the same way that humanity wants to take on the form of the, of the divine and enter into, into other realms and circumvent God's supernatural way and to do it their own way, to do it the way that, that the enemy would have them do it. But all of this, all of this is an example of how this spirit of Nimrod, of Babel, is in existence in the world even to this day. To be like the Most High or to break into that other dimension. Now, there are other accounts of giants. Now, how did these giants come about? We know that, as Genesis 6 says, that these were the fallen angels which had mixed with, the, with mankind, humankind. And from that, you get what is called the Nephilim, the giants. Now, one of the things that I believe makes the Bible so interesting is that history proves it to be so. As a matter of fact, archaeological findings prove to us that even in other parts of the world, there are accounts 
even throughout the indigenous nations, that there are accounts of giants that had once existed on the earth, all throughout the Americas, and so on and so forth. We have this example, and we can find it in in their writings, and it's a perfect example. I mean, with with such specificity. I'll give you an example of that. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. Actually, before we go to Isaiah, I want to go to 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 20. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he was also born to the giant. Now, what's so fascinating here is that world history is showing us, archaeological findings are showing us, that this account is true. Even among the Aztecs, the Navajos, and other indigenous groups, that their their petroglyphs, kind of like hieroglyphics, show us that there were giants that had six fingers and six toes. And so, all of the mythology that we read about, and we say, well, you know, it's, you know... What what's it amount to, uh, and, and all of this? What many would say would be far out uh, ideas from Zeus to Prometheus to Hercules and beyond. This was based off of historical events. This is where they get this because of what history tells us, what the Bible tells us. So you've got secular writings, if you will, non-biblical writings that that show us that the Bible was right on target. Now, why am I talking about uh, giants and 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 the fallen angels and and all of this, and tying it in with CERN, the Hedron Collider, and how they're typing and how they're trying to tap into other dimensions and parallel universes. What's the connection? The point is, is that these fallen angels, which which really brought about this this giant form of partial humanity it it is the spirit that goes with that that connects perfectly with this subject envying the other dimension which God forbids unless he deems it as an ordained act In the book of Peter, chapter First Peter, chapter three, talking about Jesus, in verse eighteen, for Christ also died for sins once and for all, 
the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the, distru- during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now, why was why was Noah's family saved? The only family saved? It says that Noah and his family were perfect in the sight of God. What does that mean, perfect? Does it mean that they were sinless? No. But in the original uh, Hebrew language, that word perfect meant complete or completely human. They were the only ones who were not part of of that fallen race and they were saved through the flood and the giants or the Nephilim who had envied their positions as they had come originally from fallen angels were destroyed. They were destroyed. Now this is all part of Satan's plan, all part of his plan to pollute the lineage of Jesus Christ and also his plan to cause humanity to to envy other positions throughout the universe and to try to ascend like God. But Jesus, it says here that Jesus, after being crucified and put to death, was made alive in the spirit. But during that time, He went into that spiritual prison, and he proclaimed the truth to them. So, what are we saying? Now, of course, the giants popped back up again after the flood. We know this to be true because during the times of Joshua and Caleb, there were giants. That's true. Remember the story of Caleb? He said, I think we can take I think we can take it on. The twelve story of the twelve spies. Now there's giants, but God's gonna go before us. Story with with uh with David. David killing Goliath. Goliath's like almost ten feet tall. That's not human. Goliath was obviously part of that Nephilim tribe. And even archaeological findings are, are showing us there's this, uh, remains, skeletal remains that are obviously from giants. Proving and, and authenticating the Bible, the Word of God. Perfectly and completely. Envying other positions and other realms. Satan envied God's position. The messengers envied humanity's position. Everyone wanting to be where they're not. That spirit of Nimrod, that spirit, uh, really, and also, uh, you know, uh, uh, an adulterous type spirit wanting that which, you know, (laughs) <laughs> which you do not have more of a, I should say, a covetous spirit. 
And that's what they're doing at CERN today, trying to tap into the God realm. But just like, just like with the Tower of Babel, I believe that it will end in utter failure. The question is, what now? We've looked at the present moment. We've looked at historical accounts. What's next? I said earlier in this broadcast that the Bible says that men's hearts would fail them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. Now, I want to be clear. As as a follower of Jesus, I believe that you have no need to fear. Concern? Yes, we can all have valid concern. But we don't have to be in fear because I believe that the Word of God is clear that it says that when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High in Psalm 91, that you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, that we'll say of the Lord that He is our shelter, our rock, our fortress, our God, in whom we will trust. And even, as I said in the, in the account with Caleb and Joshua, when Caleb said, hey, we can, we can take this land on, we can take them. There were giants in the land. Will history repeat itself? We're going to look at Revelation, and I know this is a lengthy broadcast, but there's so much to cover. And, and the truth of the matter is, we have only scratched the surface, my friends. That's why I've called this the big picture. Our live call-in number is 646-929-0709. Playback number 712-775-7039. Access code 327-756-POUND. And of course, at our website, www.magellanshow.com. Also, check us out at iqdcalls.com. Don't forget, if you want to hear more broadcasts like this and help keep us going, we really would appreciate your support. Go to our website, MagellanShow.com, and donate the best if you can. We, we do appreciate that. But we really are, are, are just scratching the surface. Where do we go from here? Of course, I could read you other scriptures to back up my position. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33 says, And there we saw giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. But I believe that the most... One of the most compelling or one of the most enlightening scriptures out of all the scriptures we've read tonight. And you say, wow, <laughs> you're reading from the Bible. I never heard this before. This is fitting all this together. You see, there are those that are tapping into realms that they should not be tapping into. It's only when God says, Go forth. It's only when God says, step away, should you 
listen, take heed, and obey. To hear His voice, to know that, that, that He is speaking unto you. God forbids us to tap into these other dimensions unless He gives us the authority to do so. But the scripture that I believe really just blows me away here, Luke 17, verse 26, check this out. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man, or what it's saying is the coming of Jesus. So what happened in the days of Noah? Well, what was happening in the days of Noah? There was wickedness, of course, just like there is now. There was perversion, just like there is now. There was evil, just like there is now. But what else? What else? There were giants in the land. There was corruption. Isn't it interesting that even now, there are those in our society that are not content. They're not content with, with who they are and what they are and how God made them. They want to be something else, something different. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And there is this fascination with the spirit world, with the dark side, but they call it the light. It's just a false light. It's a counterfeit light. Circumventing or bypassing what I believe is the true light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He didn't say, oh, I have some light. He said, I am the light the very essence of light. But it's saying here that as we are in this age that we're living in, that it would be like it was in the days of Noah. The Bible also says that, that the Babylonian spirit would also be present in the times in which we're living in today, the end times. Now, that region of the world where Babel was, the Tower of Babel, was also the Babylonian region, present-day Iraq. But it's not talking specifically about Iraq today. Uh, we don't want to take that too literally. What it's what saying here is that spirit of Babylon is alive and, and well today. The spirit of evil, the spirit of perversion, the spirit of, uh, of idolatry, all that is against God. And that there are those that are wondering, that are searching, they're on a journey, trying to find the pathway to God. Have you heard those that are very ecumenical or very interfaith-minded, and they say, well, all paths lead to the divine. And there are many programs, similar to programs like this, that talk about connecting with the other realm. They talk about spirit guides and and archangels, and messengers, and UFOs, and aliens, etc. 
Did you know that the Bible actually has something to say about that as well? And that there are things that are happening right now that would astonish you? You see, the enemy, the light bearer, the false light, the the one that brings about false light, Lucifer, would have you think that there is a new revelation that you have discovered. Astrobiology, UFOs, extraterrestrial activity, all of this stuff. When the truth of the matter is, the Bible spoke of it thousands of years ago. And other religions from around the globe and archaeological findings prove that the Bible was true in its account of the flood and of the fallen angels and of the giants. Even in in the Chinese language, and in China they're predominantly Buddhist, but you know how in China they've got the different characters for for their letters, it's, you know, you know how, how it is. And, and over there, when you read the word flood, it actually has a boat with eight people. I kid you not. This is a fact. So the world the, is crying out. The rocks are crying out. The whole earth is yearning. It is crying out to the God of the universe, to Jesus Christ. Not a religion, not a spiritual institution, but to the risen Savior, the one who has the keys. The keys. Which brings us, which brings us to the book of Revelation. We know that in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and so on and so forth. And that time is coming. That day is coming. But we know that the scripture says that Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But... But what does Revelation say? We're going to look at specifically Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. In verse 3 of, actually let's go up to verse 1 of of Revelation 9. Then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall, fall from heaven to the earth and the key of the bottomless pit, or some translations say the abyss, was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth and the power was and power was given them as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth nor any green thing nor any tree but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. 
They will long to die, and death flees from them. Powerful, powerful scripture here. Riveting. Dropping down a couple of verses. It says in verse 11, They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek, he has the name Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Apollyon. The angel of the abyss. Where is the abyss? I believe, and I believe that scripture points to this, that the abyss or or the bottomless pit or or hell or whatever you want to call it is in the center of the earth. Notice what it says here in reference to what happened with the rebellion that the children of Israel had carried out. I want you to to see what I'm saying here. And it will kind of tie all this together a little bit more. Numbers 26, verse 10. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. Now, Korah was the head instigator or, or the, the one who had led this rebellion against Moses, uh, rebelling against the Ten Commandments and God's law. So, so the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with Korah and fire devoured 250 of their followers This served as a warning to the entire nation of Israel. The earth opened up and fire devoured them. Now the Bible says in Revelation that the abyss will open. And these spirits and these these plagues will come in torment all, to all those who are not sealed by God. As it was in the days of Noah, so also shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What is about to fall upon planet Earth, my friends, is not going to be pretty. That's why men's hearts will fail them for fear. It's going to be a bumpy ride. There's more to the story. Of course, we don't have time to get into all of it tonight. But many of you are still searching. Or some of you are. Some of you may have been stirred up. Stirred up in your heart to to study the word of God even more and to see what it has to say. But I want to leave you with a couple of verses, very important. Don't go away. Stay tuned for just a, a few more moments.
and I will also be previewing what will be what we will be talking about next next time. Isaiah chapter thirteen. Verse 3 says this, I give command and I will bring them giants that will come to fulfill my wrath. This is the prophecy in the book of Isaiah. The Babylonian spirit is here. And isn't it interesting that in the original language, in the original language, the Akkadian language, that the word Babylon actually means gateway or gate of the gods, little g, or gate to God. The spirit of Babylon, the spirit of Nimrod, who, who, who headed up the, the, ba- the Babel project, It's alive today. And we are here in a very interesting period of time. But there are still those that are searching, that are trying to find the answers, that are trying to tap into other dimensions where they do not belong, trying to connect to the God particle and find out what it is, what brought all this together. They're doing it in CERN, still searching, still trying to figure it all out. I'm going to share with you tonight what I believe is the ultimate truth and the God particle. We'll be looking in Colossians as we close, but I want to say this. Next time our broadcast airs, now, I haven't announced when our broadcast will be. I'm assuming it'll be in the middle of September. We'll we'll be announcing that. Uh, just connect with us at MagellanShow.com or contact at MagellanShow.com if you want to email us. Always, uh, you can follow us at Twitter at Real Magellan. Also, IQD Calls will announce it as well. We may actually do it sooner. If, if the feedback is strong, we may do it sooner. Uh, support what we're doing. Uh, you know, this is something that I felt led to do, and this has taken tremendous, tremendous research. Where I've taken, you know, extensive notes and study, and I'm bringing this to you because I, I have a, a heart to do this, because I believe that that people are hungry for for knowledge and truth, and many of people have walked away from from religion, and 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 they're looking. Into, in, in, into other types of, 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 of thought, trying to find the answers. But next time, we're going to be going further. What is the Catholic Church saying? Did you know that there are those within the Catholic Church hierarchy that are about to make some very, very historic announcements. Yes, that's right. There are those within the Catholic hierarchy that are about to make some very historic announcements. 
regarding Christianity, regarding regarding life from other planets, all of this, which I believe has elements of truth, but also elements of great deception. And we're going to be talking about what's going on here in America, a joint venture between the Vatican and a project here in the United States. That's as far as I'll go, but we'll look at it from a factual perspective. We'll also look at it from a factual and biblical perspective as well. So you don't want to miss next time as we go further into this study, examining astrobiology and this other realm that the whole world is trying to connect with just to find the answers. But speaking of the answer, I want to close with a passage out of the book of Colossians in the New Testament. I, I, I love this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 22. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? And who has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Let me pause. God is the one who makes those decisions, no matter what it is. No matter which dimension it is, he's Lord over all, verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath you reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to pre present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight." Bottom line, Jesus is the God particle. He holds it all together. By him, all things are made and are created. He controls all the dimensions. We don't need CERN. We don't need the Tower of Babel. We don't need all these things. And no matter what the enemy tries to do, you know, when Jesus was just a baby, there was a decree to, to destroy the, the firstborn. Satan tried to stop it. Satan tried to send his fallen angels to cross over into the other dimension, to create uh, these giants so that it would per pervert and pollute uh, mankind, humankind. But God blocked it so that Jesus would be the perfect savior and sacrifice. That's why the book of Matthew chapter 21 goes to the entire genealogy of Jesus Christ to prove who he is and who he was. But he is the great I am. 
He is the light. He just he not only has light, he is light. And so I'm not talking about a church tonight. I'm not talking about a religion tonight. I'm talking about Jesus. Now, I know that there are those who have tried to hijack Christianity, and they're still doing it. Next time we have a program, The Big Picture, we're going to talk about what the organized church is trying to do and what belief system they're trying to propagate. It'll floor you. It will. We've only just begun. But the point is, it's knowing Christ and in the power of his resurrection. So I invite you, as it says in Romans, that if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. You've tried this and you've tried that and you've not found peace in your heart. But when you know him, when you know him, it doesn't mean that you're going to have perfect days ahead, but you know that he will be with you. When you pass through the waters, he will be with you. So call on his name and he'll save you and he will, and he will redeem you. And he will see you through. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for the big picture. <laughs> and it was a big picture tonight. Uh, you know, my prayer is that, that the truth of, of what I've shared would enter into the hearts of those that have listened tonight and, and to you all. And that, uh, and that it would cause those of you who, who study the Bible to dig a little deeper. And those of you that maybe never read the Bible to check it out and to say, hey, you know what? The Bible is not some irrelevant book like, like the mainstream wants to say it is, but it actually has the answers to a lot of these questions. And that the New Age movement doesn't have a corner on things, but rather they have perverted these things and have twisted them. But we have to know our rightful place. We are children of God as we call on the name of Jesus. And let's let God be God and let his enemies be scattered. I want to thank you for joining us for The Big Picture. This is Magellan, our website, MagellanShow.com. Our email address, contact at MagellanShow.com. Our Twitter, at Real Magellan. A big thank you to IQDCalls.com for posting this program. We'll see you next time, middle of September sometime, but, you know, depending on feedback, we may do it sooner. We'll make the announcements uh, based on that, and we'll go accordingly. So have a great evening. Thanks for spending your Sunday night with me, or you may be listening to this on demand. If so, thanks for joining us whenever you're listening to it. And we'll see you guys on Tuesday as we bring you the latest news, the latest political news, uh, currency news, global news, fair and, and to the point and without a lot of, of spin and, uh, and just get to the facts on The Magellan Show. This Tuesday, it's the day after tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't miss it. Have a great evening, my friends. This is Magellan. This is Magellan. First off, I want to welcome you.